and we're live and this week we have the amazing donna kendrick from philadelphia so for anybody who doesn't know about your amazing author career can you briefly describe who you are and uh, what kind of books and things do you write and what kind of books do you like to read well done. Well, hello, everybody. I am Donna Kendrick, and I am the author of A Guide to Widowhood, Navigating the First Three Years with Your Heart, Soul, and Finances Intact. How did I become an author? Well, uh, born and raised in Philadelphia and moved abroad following my late husband's career. Um, and then, like many people, came right back home, right? Came yeah. back home, and he passed away in 2013. And my kids were 8, 11, and 12. And I had given up my career to follow him abroad. And I was like, oh, boy, what am I going to do now? So yeah. I took two years to kind of raise my kids. Um, and in year three, decided to flip my career upside down on its head. And I started providing financial advice to families in transition, widows, post-divorce, and blended families. And then here comes COVID in 2020. And you're like, wow, how do I connect to more people? Because we're all on Zoom. Um, yeah. So it took some time to write my book to make sure that the message could get out there for widows and widowers that are in transition um, and are just looking for some guide steps, right? Like what to do next? Because sometimes, you know, paying attention to whatever Uncle Bobby said at the Thanksgiving table for the Americans listening isn't always the best advice. And I hope my book there is a resource for people. Um, since the book's been out there, I've realized so many people are like, wow, I wish I read that book before so-and-so died, or I wish my mom had a copy. So now I'm kind of out there um, helping men and women get their financial house in order, understand the what ifs. And that's me. Books I read, books I love, grief recovery. Uh, starting your own businesses, recreating yourself, because I feel like I was given that opportunity soon after my husband passed. Yeah. Well, I, like, I, I, I had, well, anybody who actually looks down at the bottom of this can see the books you picked, but I've seen the books you picked, and they're quite, a lot of them quite good and interesting books. So shall we get started chatting I'd about books? Love to. Let's go. Okay. And the first book is not your book, actually, because I put your book at the end. So... <laughs> Uh, but the Grief Recovery Handbook, 20th Anniversary Expanded Edition. So why did you pick this book? So probably about two years after uh, we lost my husband, I was just looking for other services that were outside of traditional counseling, right? I felt like I was so young and some of these like widowhood groups just didn't apply to me, right? Like my, my needs were different. And I bumped into, literally bumped into the grief recovery method and the grief recovery program, which is based on this book. And it kind of is a linear path of how to get through grief. I have a math background, right? So yeah. it's kind of laying it out there mathematically of where were you? Where do you need to be? what's unresolved in the relationship and what are you mourning um and now i'm a certified grief recovery specialist oh, okay. and we use this book on an eight-week program to kind of guide people through that process of understanding um where the grief really lies and how it's not the traditional path of grief or stages that we're all very used to um, and they have many different books, like from the same author of like dealing, moving on, moving forward, dealing with the loss of a pet, helping children grieve. So you work with the parents to help have the right words for kids. So I love their little role in this industry. Quick, easy reads. Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't get a chance to tell you, but I'm actually a widow myself. So I was widowed in 2011. Oh. Uh, and it would have been useful to have this kind of book then, I think, <laughs> But uh, yes, I think you're right. I mean, I think it's one of those things that people think they know how to advise people on grief, but they're not necessarily uh, 
Yeah. Some a lot of the advice isn't very good, let's say that a lot of the time. That's a nice way to say it. Good intentioned, bad delivery yeah. sometimes. And um and my heart goes out to you because I feel like some of the widowers out there um yeah. have a little bit of a harder time because it's a little bit harder for some of the gentlemen to express their grief and also to take on rules of life. So I, I wish you would have had the book too. But you've got us now. <laughs> We're here. <laughs> okay. Well, shall we go on to the next book? Yeah, let's do it. And it's okay that you're not okay. Meeting grief and loss in culture that doesn't understand by Megan Devine. So I'm guessing this is kind of related, but um, is that true? This is kind of a step up from the grief recovery handbook. This is more of a lot of those myths that so many of us hear out there of like the unspoken truths about grief or how people think we could solve it. And I feel like this book actually gives readers the right to know that my grief is just mine. Right. And there's no, and there's no wrong and I'm going to walk with it. Um, And I love the helpful tips here because it's not like an eight week program of how to go through, but just recognize that, yeah, you might have a hard time sleeping. And maybe stress is hard to manage because some of us attribute that to just daily life. And it could be that underlying grief that we just hadn't gotten out of the way yet or learned how to walk alongside of. That book, I think, is a great different read for people that are grievers, more important for the people that are supporting the grievers out there. Kind of what to say, what not to say, when to be quiet and just listen. Yeah. So this is more for people supporting people grieving than people grieving themselves, would you say? I I would say it's for both. I would say it's a bigger takeaway for those supporting those and grievers um, to actually up the level of empathy, put it that way. Yeah. And to anybody watching, not all the books are going to be about grief. So you Swear to God, they're not. <laughs> just getting these out early. It's just, yeah. It's what I do. <laughs> okay. So let's, let's go on to the next one, which isn't grief related. And it's The Body Keeps a Score. Um, I don't know why I put this full title down for all of these. The Body Keeps a Score, anyway. That's what people need to know. (laughs) Yeah. And, okay, so it's not about grief, but it's also about um, your body and traumas or experiences that you have. This book was actually recommended to me by my daughter, Katie, who's 20 years old. um, And she kind of picked it up as a read for some of the anxieties that she might have had when she lived away at college, some of those unresolved feelings she had had from the loss of her dad, um, and how she would see them manifest in her body physically. So of course, you know, grief recovery specialist. I'm going to pick it up because it's not just in our soul. It's how it manifests physically. Um, And I think this was a really wonderful book just for those of us to remember whether you had grief or not or trauma or not of just how our body really does um, share our experiences and express it in in our health. So were there any particular takeaways from this book that you really impacted you when I read it then? like because you you, you're an experienced person in the whole grief world and the rest of it so for you to get recommended the book and then think oh i really best this this it must have made some sort of impact there it did i think a lot of it is um so much here at least in america and in my young teenagers we're a blended family now so we have kids from 12 to 21. um you hear so much of like the anxiety and the stress and the, the constant barrage of information on social media and i think it was actually a really good read and the takeaway for me is because um 
all of those influences can physically impact you. And yeah. so sometimes it's really good to take an inventory of what makes you tick, take an inventory of what you need to um, deal with, right? So that it doesn't physically manifest in your body. Um, I'm one of those people that I'm very cut and dry, right? It's left or it's yeah. right, it's up or it's down. And and even though I do all this group work, I'm very much, my dad was from Britain and he'd be like, a chin up, let's just go, right? <laughs> Yeah. And that's how I carried on for such a long time. And so I think for my daughter who saw me like be like, chin up, we're just going um, to recommend this to me. She was probably looking at something else um, inside of herself and inside of me. Yeah. Okay. All right. Grit, the power of passion and perseverance by Angela Duckworth. So. Um, I've got kind of got a feeling this might be similar to the other themes of the other books, but no, this is a whole different word. This is like, all right, yeah. so that was the grief, right? And this is the trauma and like, how do we yeah. accept it and digest it? This is my favorite part. And I'm glad you put them in this order. This is like, what do you do next? Right? So how do you really get that passion in your life? And, and when you fall down, what picks you up? Right. Yeah. And, and how to drive forward with, all of that moving forward. Um, I remember, did I just say forward twice? I actually oh, remember yeah, reading. That's all good. But I remember reading this one and being like, oh yeah. Like I remember what she was describing about the ability to, to fall down and pick yourself up and what are you going to do next? Back when I was little, right? Playing in the US, we call it soccer, right? On the soccer right. field, right? And sometimes you're making these quick decisions in life and you don't even know it, right? You're just reacting so organically. And this book kind of let you uh, appreciate your power to do that. It's a good uplifter, like it. Okay. Uh... It could be a really quick show the way we're going through. <laughs> well, I can move into this one too, like because I did recreate my career if I lost my husband. Yeah. And I work with a whole bunch of women pretty much that recreate their career. And this book is one of those stickers, like the the you can do it and you probably already did. Let's just manifest it and make it happen. So okay. All right. The Art of Authenticity by Carissa Fucker. Yeah. Have you read this one? It's it's a random one, kind of. No, I haven't. I mean, this I, I think uh, I don't think I've read any of these books actually. Well, look um, at me expanding your horizons. Well, I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> it, this show has been amazing for getting good book recommendations. So I think there's a couple on here just from the titles of some of them, like The Body Keeps the Score. Just an amazing title for a book. So you think that's going to be a good book. So Yeah, right? And you kind of already know what it's going to be just from that yeah. title. They did a good job. So The Art of Authenticity. I actually had a hard time after I picked this one up finding like other copies of it to gift to people. And yeah. it's so much about understanding your core values and who you are and how you're going to present yourself to the world, about bringing your best self to the table, right? Um the world moves very quickly, at least here in Philadelphia, it definitely does. And this is about a way of slowing down and making sure that in each day, in each interaction with your friends, with your family and your business, that you are being authentic to that soul deep within you. Um, the one that you grew up with, right? The one that makes those big decisions for you, that you keep authentic that way and that you, you reflect that in your choices that you make. Right? And that you reflect who you are in your actions and that it will, in time, if you always stay to that core, it will unfold wonderful, 
benefits to you. Yeah. So how important has authenticity been to you in your kind of business and recovery, I suppose? No, a hundred percent. Um in in my personal life, authenticity has been so helpful, right? Mm. Um with the loss of my husband, like all of a sudden, all your dreams and all of your future goals that you shared together, we lost him suddenly, no. are now just done, right? Like, and and maybe there's some that you can't do on your own, right? You needed a partner to have that done. Yes. Um, so I think going back to the core of what really was the mission or what really makes me tick, what's the type of mom I really wanted to be, really helped direct my next set of goals because I really didn't have that many at the time. The yeah. goal was to wake up each morning and put your feet yeah. on the ground and make sure the kids got on the bus. I gave them a week and then they had to get back on the bus. Uh, again. A long bus journey a week. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, that was a lot of it. And so I think yeah. the art of authenticity, um, I am an audible digester of books, yeah. right? Like I love it. If anyone can check from this book chat live, I move very quickly. I talk quickly. So a book on 2.5 speed is wonderful. This is the yeah. one that I sat down to read, The Art uh, of Authenticity, because it reminds you of any decision that you make, start from the core. It's, and I try to teach it to my kids. I try to model wait. it for them. And that makes me very much more, um, predictable in a good way. Like they'll know my reaction, right? They'll know my next step. And so will my clients and so will my business partners. Yeah. Okay. The science of getting rich for women by Sarah Connell. This is a good one. And this is a new one. This is a book that has a lot of that energy of, um, I would take it as the art of authenticity on hyperspeed in your yeah. career right now. So yeah, it sounds like the art of getting rich, right? So when I grew up, the word of being rich seemed like greedy and gluttonous, right? Yeah. And my parents would make fun of the rich people down the street um, because we were blue collar and that was it. And it's not the, the science of getting rich is like, what can you do if you do have wealth? right? How do you get it? How do you put yourself out there? Um, a lot of it is based on the teachings of others. There's a lot of mention of Joe Vitale in there. Um, Abraham Hicks, The if anyone's seen the movie The Secret, it kind of bases on some of that, but the whole philosophy of be, do, have, but there's another tier to it of release. And that goes right for me into that like grief and that forgiveness, right? But yeah. here is this empowered book uh, very much focused to ladies and how to make it happen, but applicable to either men, women, or anyone else. Um, and then it also shares stories of the end, of stories of the success, right? And the stories of the start, because sometimes we learn from the experience of others, right? And we might have the opportunity to sit down with some of these leaders in the world and hear their story. Um, it's a good one. It's a quick read, but it's fun. And I think Sarah put it out there um, in the universe very quickly to make mm -hmm. sure she could share that message of you can do this, right? And getting rich is your soul, not just your pocketbook. So in what ways is it aimed at women then? I mean, is does it cover uniquely uh, female lifestyle problems with money or is it just because it's from a woman, written by a woman from a woman's perspective? That's a really good question. One, it is from a woman's perspective yeah. and the women there are sharing their stories, breaking into some industries that are new for us as yeah. ladies being out there. Um, also, a lot of it has to do with 
some of the age old wisdoms that we might've been taught growing up, right. About our, our role with money or even our lack of understanding about money and how to kind of put those understandings or those old myths aside because it's a new generation, how to talk about money and experience to our, our younger daughters out there. Um, So I think it's, it's definitely written by a woman, right. And it definitely shares the journeys of ladies, but I think it takes that vantage point of these are some of the things that the typical woman thirties and forties right now will bump into because of the way we were raised or maybe our, our class in life. And, and how do we get around that? How do you kind of bring your authentic self to the table up and around those blockades? Why not how by Dan Sullivan and Benjamin Harvey. Yeah. So this who not how is a follow-up book to the gap and the gain. Um, so if people are understanding, I'm a lot about your self-improvement. I'm a lot about building your own business, um, taking control of your life. Right. Um, because I gave up my career. Right. And really he had to find a way to feed all of these children. Um, because yeah, again, we're blended. So now there's many more. <laughs> there's a lot of mouths to feed, yeah. but who not how for me personally in my life with my kids as a mom, as a business owner was so helpful because I would make these to-do lists that would just be never ending. And I would always be behind. So I would almost start the day as a failure, right? Because I never got the to-do list done. Um, I was doing it to keep myself organized. I was doing it to get action steps done. But you have to realize that sometimes you are just one person, right? So who Mm -hmm. can do it a little bit better? Not how can you, right? So, okay. So I have someone else run my calendar. Wow. That cleared me up. So who can run my calendar, right? Who of my kids can get fingerprinted so they can shred papers in my office? They didn't offer, but I knew who could do it. And those are those simple solutions um, of really telling too, what activities are you doing during the day? What do you like? What do you have to do? What can you not afford to have someone else help you with? Um, When we all start our business, and I think maybe you're finding the theme, I do help a lot of my friends and my clients and my widow friends recreate themselves. Because when we lose somebody, it's an opportunity sometimes to reset the boundaries. Um, And this who not how is really helpful of who can watch, oh, who can scrub the toilet for you in your house so you don't have to do it. That's a good one. So it goes from personal to professional. Okay. So it's really a book about, is it working out delegation and things like that? Or is it more wider than just that kind of concept? No, it's a big part of that concept, but it's a big part, too, of identifying what will free you up so you can achieve your best self. What can someone else not do that only you can do it, right? Like, I wouldn't be able to host a book chat live here on Amazon. I I wouldn't know how, right? But you do. (laughs) You do. So then maybe I'll free up your back paperwork so you can do this incredible work. Um, That's really where it is. And it's also about identifying in your business your strengths. So it has a second layer to it. Okay. The Road Less Stupid by Keith Cunningham. Uh, I love the title as well. (laughs) It's even better than The Body Keeps the Score. Um, So yeah, not only was I raised with somebody that was like, you know, keep your chin up, let's just keep going. I was also raised by somebody who was more than happy to be like that was a dumb move like he would just lay it out there and he was right many of the times when he would say well that was a dumb move it was and i picked up this book randomly i 
I don't even know how I picked this book up before I even opened my business, before I recreated my career and I read it. I'm like, oh, that resonates. Like, we're smart people. Sometimes yeah. we make dumb decisions, right? Did I make every decision right with raising my kids after I lost my husband? No. Did I make every decision right with my money, even though I was very well educated about finance? No, right? But it's taking responsibility that smart people make dumb decisions. We call it the dumb tax. And yeah. with that, what are you going to do next? It really helps you with avoiding some of those decisions, not really making the right one, but avoiding the wrong ones and how that can push you forward. Um, and I will tell you as a parent that that concept, how to avoid the bad ones, you'll know it, you know, in your belly when it's yeah. a bad decision. Um, that was helpful. And it was one of the, the books that also resonated because he talks about thinking time, like not being in front of your computer, having one notebook where you actually like journal and jot down information, whether it be for your family, whether it be for community, whether it be for your life, spend an hour and have one spot to go ahead and write. Um, and I had been doing that since 2011. Here you go after all of these um, other books that I've been reading, even the science of getting rich for women about like meditating and journaling and visioning. Like, wow, I was doing that all the way back then with the road less stupid. There's yeah. a whole different label to it when you think of it as like visioning and future pulling. Oh, no, it's a thinking time. It's really getting those ideas down and even being able to go back and read them again, because sometimes great ideas get lost. Yeah. So. Okay. And the next book is interesting to me for some people I'll talk about it when I get to the next book. Uh, you can work your own miracles by Napoleon Hill. And it's interesting because it's not the book that most people recommend by Napoleon Hill. Yeah, they recommend Think and Grow Rich, right? Yeah. I mean, it's awesome. And I, I'm a big fan of that one, if you can guess, right? So that's yeah. right kind of along the line of what drives me when I make decisions in my business, what drives me yeah. to be a help to the community, um, what drives me to find the calling that I think I yeah. could be in business and add better, better value to this world, as well as my family, right? Like my biggest addition to this world is the six kids I'm putting out there. Like they'll probably make a much bigger impact, the six of them, than just me. So yeah. let's make sure I'm doing things right. And this is pretty much how someone with a successful personality can make it happen yeah. and recognizing that all of us have that successful personality. Each of my kids has a different personality, right? Parenting them is a wonderful treat and a nightmare at the same time, right? The rule for number one does not like work for number six, yeah. um, but realizing where are they successful in their personality and positioning them well there is the takeaway of this book. So if you loved Think and Grow Rich, Keep on going. Keep on yeah. going. So did he write this book after the after thinking grow which because I'm not entirely because I remember listening to the audiobook of that some time ago and um yeah it's inter certainly interesting. The trouble is I've heard so many derivative versions of Think and Grow Rich. Well this book sounds quite a bit more about personality rather than all the business side. Is that correct? No, um, definitely. And I think the audible is actually from his grandson or maybe yeah. a great grandson that actually dictated it um, and shared it. And it's more too about the examples of how it worked, right? Yeah. Not just the philosophy behind it, but how did this really work in someone's life? And where do we see that? that why is the pullout of all of these examples the successful, positive personality um, and, and how that is a constant thread in some people that you see doing amazing things out there? Okay. All right. 
and the widest net by pamela slim all right this is a business book boys and girls this is all about social yeah. media and marketing and it you almost could get a paper copy of this book and be like okay here we go what am I going to do? And just back yourself into the original plans. But being from someone with a statistics background and no business or marketing or social media background, I think I had a flip phone when my husband passed. Like, yeah, yeah it wasn't it wasn't anything savvy. Um, this was really a helpful tool for me to see if I yeah. was on the right path um, and how to really successfully identify your mission, how to plant the seeds early and how to develop them. And also to give yourself the freedom of um, pivoting when you need to pivot. Um, there's no science to it. Sometimes you're putting it out there and seeing what works, but this is a good navigation of what can work, what you may not have even considered. Um, I've listened to her podcast before, yeah. and I just find her, her ability to share wisdom for free is really helpful, especially if you're just starting out on this journey. If you don't have a marketing budget and you're doing it on your own, um, it's really good. And I like that my teenagers, I'm like, I even asked them to read it. Like when they're putting themselves out there on social media, like they're telling their own story. They're mm -hmm. kind of rebranding their personality. Um, so pay attention, pay attention to what you're putting out there. It's easier for me to say. And of course they roll their eyes when I say it, um, but it's, it's a good one. It's a good one if you're just getting in there. So this is about using social media for marketing as a solopreneur then, is that like, is that a right assessment of what this book's about? Yeah, and for me, even maybe for some leaders of some bigger companies, yeah. it's really about um, identifying your mission and staying, yeah. let's look at how the book stack, staying authentic yeah. to it, yeah. staying, staying where you need to be. <laughs> yeah, putting that successful personality out there in the media. And how would you do that? Okay. I almost feel like that little graphic should have the Batman noise that they used to do. You go, <laughs> maybe you're old enough to remember the old Batman. Oh, it was one of Adam West. Like yeah. anyone that can wear, we call them stockings, right? Or a unitard out there. Well done. And I loved him. And my sister and I, she would never let me be Batman. I always had to be Robin. Uh, and she used to tell me it was because of my haircut, right? Like I'm a natural <laughs> blonde, everyone I am. But I was like, that's not fair. I want to be Batman. Blue is my favorite color. Yeah. No, I know what you're talking about. Bam, the Joker. Um, anyway, okay. the book is Smooth Sailing, A Practical Guide to Legally Protecting Your Business by Sherry D. Andrews. Now, can you tell from my, my book choices that when I was in high school, we had to read a lot of the classics and my entire summer was sent inside my house reading the classics because they were our assignment for the next year. So yeah. I don't read that many classics anymore. Maybe we'll do a book chat one day of everything that was my high school assignment. <laughs> this one, yeah. Smooth Sailing. I didn't know what I was doing when I started setting up my own business here in America. And this was a step-by-step -step guide on those simple things, how to make your business either an LLC, how is it built differently as an S corp than a sole proprietor? How do you insure yourself when you're out there on social media? What little disclaimers do you need at the bottom of your mm -hmm. website? How do people opt out of email? And it's like a little less than 125 pages, but wow, it just gives you those guidelines. So you have a starting point, quick read, easy read, good resources, really good resources. Yeah, I mean, I noticed that um, there's a lot of online gurus. Some of them are in many ways very good Mm -hmm. We're giving advice that sometimes isn't necessarily that legal. Yeah. Uh, and they just get away with it by being 
because they're not that successful that anybody's going to notice. But sooner or later, it's like uh, you can fall foul if you don't follow the rules. And nobody's nobody's there really telling you about the rules. So it's very good to have a book like this. I think. It is. And Sherry, I think she's got a background in law, right? So you're yeah. like, all right, she's not going to put anything out there that is going to compromise her background either. Um, so it's really sound starting point advice. Um it's a good one. And so many people open their own businesses with the best intentions, right? Yeah. And then smart people make dumb decisions, right? And sometimes okay. those dumb decisions are just because you didn't know. You don't yeah. know what you don't know. So this is a really good grounding book that says, all right, this is what you are responsible to know. Um, yeah. So I threw it out there because, yeah, I'm talking about people recreating themselves. Let's do it legally. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm an optimist who worries. That's it. I am. Yeah. That's quite a wise, wise uh, thing to have. Because optimism can often lead to um, lemmingism when you end up falling over the cliff. True. Very true. Right. Uh, here we go. The gift of fear. Uh, and then, oh, then all the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not the most uplifting one, but this is a book that when I tell you my daughter gave me the book of Your Body Keeps the Score, I gave her yeah. this one back, right? Because uh, she is yeah. trusting and optimistic. And like, I swear, as she walks down the street, she is whistling and her head is up in the clouds and she's happy, right? But still be aware. Be aware of where you are. My late husband was with Homeland Security, so you can imagine what goes through my house every time I enter a building and I secure it. Like when I'm on a plane, I'm counting how many chairs to the exit row. This is one of those practical guys of saying, like, you know it deep inside. You feel when a situation is bad. You yeah. feel it in your belly. You can feel the adrenaline and the cold rush go through your body. So listen to it. Um, and the permission, because so many of times we teach our kids, like, you know, hug like weird Uncle Joey, right? Because he's an adult, yeah. right? Well, maybe they feel like they don't want to. That's probably a really good sign, right? Many of times I'll be in situations because I want to be polite. I don't want to think someone that I don't like them or that I'm scared of them. I don't want to show them my fear. But it's really about understanding that core and that we are designed and born with this ability and listen to it. Yep. So is it, is it primarily designed um, about avoiding violent situations or is it just avoiding uncomfortable or following your intuition? What kind of thing does it focus on? Yeah, it's definitely more of the the actual fear for your body, fear yeah. for yourself, fear for your family, like those bigger be very careful. Yeah. Um, it does always trickle down, right? I always know any decision I make that's against my belly is probably a bad one, whether it be in business, parenting, friendships, right? Yeah. Like, you know it, you know it before you make the decision. You just don't want to say it out loud. Um, but this book is very much more towards when we exist on this earth, when we're in the cities, when we're on our own, when we're in a situation that we need to survive. How do you do it? Yeah. yeah. It's not a light read. <laughs> Let's put that one in there. I like reading. Well, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I think we start off with light reads and then we work up to harder ones. Um, but you don't want to stay just reading Harry Potter all the time or whatever a light read would be. <laughs> Yeah, you got to sprinkle it in, right? Yeah. A little of this, a little of that. You really do. And that's how we learn, right? Like, yeah. that's truly how we learn. Okay. And I need to put that Batman music on the. On the <laughs> Invite me back. I'd love it. 
A Life of My Own by Claire Tomalin. This book, I, okay, so as you can tell, I do a lot of like the grief books, right? And yeah. the business development and the grounded and very concrete thinker. And this book was one of those memoirs, right? That you just start yeah. reading, you're like, oh, I've got to keep going, right? And it tells so much of her story um, as a journalist, a writer, a historian. Um, and I'm not any of those, right? I wrote a book, but I'm not any of those. But I will tell you, I'm surrounded by many writers and people who love history. And that on a Sunday that when it's rainy here in the States, they just want to watch a documentary. Right? And I'm like, boring, don't want to do it. This really shared about how her journey and her career um, at a time when maybe she shouldn't have had a career, according to society, as mm -hmm. well as watching her parents, their relationship, their education. It was a good read. It was a delightful read. It was um, an engaging read. Rarely do I pick up a book or not audible a book, right, and go order the copy that I can't wait to go get some private time to read it. And that's what one of these was. Okay. So what, what kind of happens in it? I mean, uh... Yeah. It starts pretty much of her upbringing, right? How yep. she saw her mom and dad, how they existed together, um, the split of their marriage, how it built strength and persistence within her, um, how she married. She uh, has two children in the book. Um, one um, dies very young and one has, is in a wheelchair, right? Oh. And how love of her life and managing a career and care and the people that helped her raise her children developed her as a person. Um, so it's really, it's really a memoir about her biography, a little bit about her history, not all of it, right? Just that section of time yeah. um, and how, how she learned to be resilient in life and how she tried to instill that in those around her. And the people who, like, it's neat because it also talks about the people who are witnessing her actions. Yeah. What a different take on a memoir. Like, people that were witnessing what she was doing. Okay. That actually sounds quite interesting. Anyway, the next book is quite different. So... Lydia's favorite recipes, hundred proof Italian dishes from basic sauces to irresistible entrees. A cookbook by Lydia Macchia to Bassinacci, Antonia Bassinacci Manieri. That's my best guess. I probably butchered that. Well done. You're fine. We get food, so. I had to put this one in there, right? Yeah. Like I'm talking about, like all this, like female empowerment, business owner, yeah. widowhood. Like this is it. Where do I recharge my batteries? It's cooking, right? And yeah. where do I make connections with my kids? We sit and we cook, right? Um, so I'm great at Polish. I will say I'm great at Polish food, but living in Italy, we had so many fresh ingredients and I learned from so many of the people around me. We were there for off and on for seven years, right? A five-year stretch at one yeah. point. And to come back to America and my kids were so young when we were over there and to be like, do you remember eating this? And like, they can remember where they were when they tasted it. Mm. Um, and to be able to have a cookbook being like, here it is, like, this is as close as we can get. Um, and this one's really fun. She's on like public TV here in the States and she has a little cooking show and her grandmom's on it. They're drinking some wine. And when I was younger, my late husband would every year for my birthday, get me a signed book of hers. Um, so this is one of the newest ones and oh, it okay. is truly the closest collection to the things we used to cook when we lived over there. So yeah. it had to get, it had to be on the list. It had to. So it's an authentic, you know, it's an authentic Italian cooking style because you lived in Italy. Where did, where did you live in Italy? Just out of interest. We were in Rome. 
Oh, yeah. Nice. yeah, we were in Rome. Um, I learned to drive there when everyone was out for Ferragosta, like pretty yeah. much the whole month of August that everyone goes away. So I didn't know what Rome really felt like. So I'm driving my U.S. minivan over on the streets of Rome. And then one morning I woke up and you heard this noise and it was all the Vespas driving oh, around. Yeah. Oh, I got so lost because all of the landmarks I learned to drive by where you couldn't see them with the traffic. <laughs> You you learn quick when you're thrown yeah. into that situation. Um, and some of my favorite visits are when we would just go an hour outside of town and we would land in some of these small villages. And I knew enough Italian just to kind of get myself through, you know, yeah. traffics and restaurants, traffic. Um, and it would be like a Nona, right, that opened, yeah. the, opened the door at four o'clock. Right. And you could sit there all night. Right. And the wild boar ragu you were eating, they just killed yeah. that morning. It was really awesome and we had little kids little blondies at at that time i can't tell you the amount of times those beautiful italians would pick up our kids now we would never do this in philadelphia and they would just take them and they would take them to the back kitchen and they would teach them how to make pizzas and (laughs) we just let virtual strangers take our kids and teach them how to cook and play with the food and enjoy it um they were a little blonde novelty so it was fun it was fun yeah okay Mm-hmm. <laughs> you did it. I did it. Yeah. Me a, a guide to widowhood, navigating the first three years by Donna Kendrick. Yeah, that's me. That's it. So let's go full circle. This is my book. So it is a guide to widowhood, navigating the first three years. Um, we say with your heart, soul, and finances intact. The first three chapters pretty much are my story, right? I'm pretty much telling authentically here I am. Um, two ways why, because I think the readers will kind of digest the information because some of it's very factual, like do this with yeah. your finances, your net worth. These are some steps you need to do for an obituary, the first 24 hours, those things that maybe you don't have a trusted source to tell you, right? And I didn't because people around me, we were all young. We really hadn't experienced a lot of loss except for maybe our parents or grandparents. Um, But it's that guide. So I shared my story so that people would know authentically where it was coming from. And also because um, it's a hard story. And I was tired of telling it. So it was much easier for me to be very fair and open about our story by putting it in the pages of the book. And it was so freeing to me. So that was awesome. But then it goes through, yeah, what are the immediate needs you have to be and make one of those long-term needs, how to appreciate the people around you, how to find a trusted source. Um, And then when you can give yourself permission to flip it on its head right? It happens differently for all of us. There's no timeline. Um, My year two felt like many people's year one. It just is what happens. And it's a little bit of freedom of this is the experience that we've had. And I hope you can learn from it. So, uh, had out the show a little bit, even though we're actually doing all right in time to get a reasonable length. We've got one item left to talk about. Okay. Um, What would you say is the biggest thing about widowhood that surprised you as it happened, like compared to what, well, yeah, I'm not saying what you thought widowhood was like, because nobody thinks they're going to be widowed, but what was the biggest surprise that you incorporated into this book? Um, I would think it would be the Academy Award for acting that I yeah. carried on for a whole year. I was so worried about extended family, 
grieving the loss of my husband, my kids grieving the loss of my husband, his friends, and I wanted them to feel better because I was okay. So if I'm okay, their heart will be at peace. Oh, and I faked it. I faked it for mm -hmm. so long. Um, and that's not like me. It isn't. And so then when you're too came and it's like the year of the first is all done and this is really your reality you're sitting in it now yeah. um i was starting the whole process of grief and my support was missing everybody was there in year one but when i put out there that all i right. was fine i was doing good don't worry about me watch me move right um when you're two and i didn't quite feel that way no one was expecting it and so there was a yeah. lot of quiet not because of anyone's misintentions they didn't know they didn't know yeah. yeah. What was your feeling about it? Uh, yeah. I mean, I always have this question of asking people questions that I don't know the answer to myself. <laughs> it's like, um, there. Yeah, it is, it, it, it's weird how it ebbs and flows in terms of you do think you're fine a lot of the time. And then suddenly, like, almost sometimes years later, I mean, it's been 2011, my wife died. So, it's in some ways it's like it was a long time ago but on the other hand sometimes it can just some people just set you off and trigger you and you don't you don't necessarily know um i think that's the weird thing it's not as you say it's not an even and it's and something you can power through you can power through those times and it's just like oh yeah I'm fine. And then it's like you're like that little character with the flames in the background. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the little uh, gift or whatever. So, yeah, it, it's it's interesting. I, I wouldn't necessarily um, be able to finish my sentence there. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily um, say that it's, um, it's, it's not as terrible as some people would think because it also depends. And I'm sure you you got you had a, a sudden death didn't you we so did that is different from because my wife had a stroke in 2009 so I, okay. she was severely ill for quite a while beforehand so while it wasn't obviously at the time it, 2009 wasn't expected 2011 kind of it was more expected for me so it's a very different kind of situation to what you were in so anyway we probably got rid of all the viewers right? no i <laughs> understand yeah. Um, uh, and we call it bumping into things. That's yeah. what you're almost explaining. And that's why I call it like you think you're yeah. merry and fine and then you bump into it. Oh, um, yeah. And that's part of it. Yes. So I can uh, use my bat thing, bat signal. <laughs> well done. And also up my fancy book chat live dream pick thing and then try and work out why they've moved the screen sharing button on this. Uh, <laughs> uh, did it share screen? There we go. And I want to print it. Do you have a picture? Yes. Oh, you're outing me now. This isn't good. Oh, there it is. <laughs> we haven't done this segment for a while because, to be honest, very few people read the instructions I, I give them for the show. And so usually, like, really trying to drag my yeah, blood out of stone to get people to give me the book choice. But at the end of the instructions, I do have like pick one item off Amazon that you would buy if money was no object. And you've actually done it. And you've got a really cool um, thing, which is a outdoor sauna. I think it's a two-person outdoor sauna. I don't know if that was the one you... Yeah, so no, that's it. You pick this? Um, I am cold. 
all the time, right? <laughs> and I would like to say, oh yeah, it's because I'm in menopause. No, I've always been this skinny, <laughs> cold person, right? Um, and I remember, oh, oh, it was Austria. My late husband and I went for a trip of Austria with the kids and they had a sauna and I was like, oh, this is the best feeling in the yeah. world, this heat. Oh, I love it. Um, and ever since then, I was like, if I ever had unlimited funds, I would put like one in the office. I'd put one in the back of my house and <laughs> I talk nonstop if you can't tell. So it's a two person because I mean, no sense me sitting there on my own. I need to be talking to somebody. Yeah. But just to have that warm part of my of my day, I think it would be a beautiful reset. And um, yeah, yeah, not everyone in my family feels that way. There are fights over the thermostat in the family. Yeah, yeah, it's bad. I'm surrounded by boys, so they like it cold. I like it hot. <laughs> but I mean, this particular one's got everything, doesn't it? It's got. It does. It's got Bluetooth speakers. It's got temperature preset. I'm not I suppose you can heat it up and then go in. The you can heat it before you go in. Like that's right. it. Like you're you're going in all snugly. <laughs> I'm not sure about chromotherapy lighters. Uh, is that one of these sort of uh, seasonal lights? Uh, two LED reading lamps you can read in the sauna. Yeah, and with the Bluetooth you can play your Audible books. <laughs> so it's actually it does relate to books. Um, yeah, and you're right. I don't need someone else. I can just stretch out and listen to my Audible book. <laughs> I mean, the funny thing is, the original idea where I put this in the um, in the thing for like the dream pick was that I was hoping that somebody would buy one of these dream pick items because the trouble is, I I, I get a little tiny percentage of the books, but like sort of like twenty cents or something. But if somebody buys one of these, I highly <laughs> encourage. And I'm like, oh, that's fifty dollars. <laughs> so. Uh, yes, but I, yeah, this is probably, um, somebody chose a MacBook once, somebody chose a model Coliseum actually, that was probably the most cool of the, uh, but that was only like $300, but this is decently priced and it's cool, so Thank you. well done, it's probably the best dream pick, I think. Oh, I feel so good and I'm glad it's I was your prepared. A, your dream pick is a dream pick, so, <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, how do I uh, move that and then back to uh, this one? Make sure I'm at the right overlay. So, uh, another question I like to ask people um, when they don't come out of a dream pick and I have to talk to them at the end of the show. But um, if you had to give one of those books that you picked to somebody, which book would it be? If it was like, it had to be just one, just one book. And you're allowed to say it depends because it probably does depend. But then just yeah. go through your logic as to which book you would give somebody. Um, it, this one might be a cop out, but it was literally, well, no, I'm not going to say it is because I believe this answer. It's that cookbook from Lydia, right? Oh. Because. I truly know that with that cookbook, with every meal that I make or that my kids cook, um, there's a story that goes along with it, right? So here we are trying to pick a book that we want to share. Well, I can share these stories of all of their existence there. And it's so neat to hear the same story from my lips and then from an eight-year-old's lips and from a 12-year-old's lips, right? Like, what did that really feel like? What do you remember about that? And so many of these recipes that we make, we invite our friends and family over, right? Like this is one when we went to Orvieto, which is like a 
a beautiful little suburb of Rome, we have a picture of Orvieto in our house that we got painted for my husband. Like, wow, isn't it nice to invite his brothers and mm -hmm. sisters over and be like, this is the meal that we ate with your brother in Orvieto. Yeah. That's why we have the painting. Um, and I give this book out to young married couples, right? Because I oh, think okay. it's, I think it's very important that they share a table. Um, bringing this book with matching wine and your favorite rest, uh, recipe highlighted, like you're giving a little bit of you to each person. Guarantee that person you gave the book to, if they're going to cook anything, they'll go to that recipe first. They've got the wine to match. So I like that very much. Okay. Um, and another question I like to ask people. I'm not sure if you're, are you going to write any more books? And uh, have you got any secret book project you want to tell anybody about? Well, when I yeah, when I originally wrote this book, it was one of the, I think there's so many authors out there that yeah. start and stop and start and stop. So it was originally a memoir, right, of my, oh, okay. yeah. of my time from meeting Greg, my late husband, um, until today, right? Um, and that journey of that recreation of that commitment of that love. Um, and I remember handing it to my content editors and they're like, great, we're going to take the first three chapters and then you're going to write a book that helps people. <laughs> I was like, oh, but I wrote a yeah. memoir. They're like, yeah, yeah. later. <laughs> and I'm so happy they did because I think the purpose of the book now means so much more than just me sharing my story. So will one day I write the full memoir? Yes, I will. Right, My kids be ready. You're included. Yeah. Um, but I think I'd actually probably do a series, right? Like oh. navigating blended families, right? Yeah. Navigating divorce. Because I think it's when people are very vulnerable sometimes and they don't know where to go, that the pages of a book can feel very safe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, funny enough, actually, talking about when my wife had a stroke, it was a book I read about uh, from a stroke survivor that was very helpful to me. Uh, so, yeah, I think you're right. I think there is something about Books are really useful at crucial times in your life often. If you read the right book, it can make a massive difference. I agree with that. I do. Now I need to I'll finish on this sad note. We need to have something more happy. So um, I'm going to ask you a weird question I asked on my other show, uh, which I might ask you as a guest on at some point. But um, just to finish a more lighthearted note. <laughs> I love it. Now, again, optimist here. So let's go. Let's um, bring some joy. If you had to describe yourself using three animals, which three animals would you pick? Am I allowed to give the why behind each three animal? Oh, yes, definitely. Definitely. Okay. I mean, that's All the right. why is the whole point of that question. I mean, All if right. you just said pelican, mongoose, and hippopotamus, um, yeah, and then that just the silent, I would ask. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah just guess um first one uh, the dodo bird oh yeah the second one um would be a tiger yeah, yeah. the third one i think the third one would be uh, a beaver oh yeah. okay and all, right. <laughs> all right. So we'll go backwards. So yeah. beaver, right? They're busy. They're always yeah. trying to fix something, do something. Um, they're always trying to, if they hear water, right, build that blockade so that the water can be diverted, 
right? And something else can be successful. Yeah. That's a lot of what I do, right? Ask my parents, like busy around them, or my parents say, well, yeah, my mom would say it too. Uh, but <laughs> ask like my kids and even the people I work with, I'm, I'm always busy. I don't sit still that often. It's not my favorite thing to do. I should not add coffee and chocolate you know but but that beaver is like very busy and they teamwork and they use the resources around them right like if you put a beaver in a hallway with a bunch of pillows and you put a water fountain down there they might go uh, go right ahead and grab those pillows and and try to make a barricade um but it's for a good reason right they're they're just primed to do that um and i think they look adorable when they're floating on their backs with like those little reeds on top like doesn't that just look so relaxing (laughs) yeah 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 um tubby little guys love it love it yeah Yeah, that's a good one um the tiger not because like a tiger mom not like the real tiger you see at the zoo you know winnie the pooh and tigger the tiger and he just jumps around on his tail and bebops and doesn't quite pay attention to everything that's going on but boy he likes to spread some joy welcome to my brain (laughs) that's where i am um and then dodo so back in grade school. I think I was maybe fourth grade. My name is Donna. Um, And I remember I fell into the trap of someone that kind of told me a lie on the schoolyard, right? I remember the teacher being like, why did you trust them, right? You're like a dodo bird. They trust everyone and they became extinct. And he was trying to give me that lesson in life, right? Let's talk about that gift of fear book that I liked, right? It does come full circle. But he was really trying to tell me like, it's nice to trust everyone, but be careful, sweet pea, right? With that though, my name became Dodo for years. Like I actually switched schools in high school to lose the nickname of Dodo Bird. (laughs) That was it. Fast forward, we went to Rome and I told that story to one of the teachers there. I worked in in Rome in one of the um, one of the schools teaching English to preschool kids. They all say water, very Philadelphia. I've used that joke before, but it's fine. They all say water, not water. Um, But I remember sharing that joke with somebody and here there was a line of jewelry called the Dodo jewelry. And so for the next four or five holidays, when they got the teacher's gifts, I would always get a piece of Dodo jewelry. Yeah, Yeah. that's my full story. You you reclaimed the Dodo (laughs) nomenclature. Apparently, yeah. apparently. How about you? Um, I'm going to answer this question because I used to ask this question a lot, actually. I did a little montage for the other show where I used to ask all the guests and I'm asking. Um, I always used to say panda, sloth, and cobra. Um, I think I'm kind of moving away a bit from the sloth more. Uh, sloth and pandas don't do an awful lot. <laughs> and then the cobra goes totally mad and goes all over the place and does a lot. So uh, I'm probably moving away from the panda and the sloth and probably away from the cobra as well. More balanced, three more balanced out animals, but I don't know what they are yet. So um, yeah. that's the great thing. The animals move over time. That's why it's like, and it was also because uh, I got so, I used to go and I still go to loads of conferences and events. And I used to get so fed up with people saying, what do you do? And then you're like, oh, I write books. I've got two live shows. I've got a YouTube channel. I do this. And by the time they all glazed over, and like, it's just easier to ask people, what free animals you, because you learn so much more about somebody from what animals they say than like, oh, they work in amalgamated durables, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, they sell paper clips. And it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, so well, it's like that doesn't tell you anything about a person, it just tells you what they've fallen into. 
So yeah. I love asking people what their favorite childhood memory is. Ah, right? yeah. Like, and that kind of just tells you a little bit. You find out their background, where they're from, what makes them tick, right? What kind of kid were they? Um, tells a lot. It tells a lot. Yeah, the only thing with something like that is that um, some people probably will struggle to think what their childhood memory was. Although, uh, I mean, I'm kind of like. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a terrible childhood or anything, but I have to worry about. Kind of like, been a like, while. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, been a while. Yeah, I'm <laughs> fifty now. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's interesting, but I think, and if any kind of original question is good, actually, or anything that's not one of these standard ones, because yeah, you, you don't learn a lot by saying like, "Oh, you're a grief." Right? You write books about grief or whatever. It's like, well, yeah, but tell you much. It's much more interesting for you to be talking about Italian food or, or the, the fact that you're uh, called dodo at school or that kind of stuff. It's much more interesting. Anyway, we've waffled on enough. So uh, I haven't got any outro music or anything for this. So I'm just going to have to press and like the end stream button. So thanks so much for being a guest on the show. And thanks to the people who were watching. We're like, I think we're up to about six at one point, six people watching. It's two people watching at the moment, or at least with it playing, I don't know if they're watching, but there's least uh, so hopefully they were interested in the dodo and other things, and uh, hopefully they get to see some of the books as well. So thanks to everybody watching, and um, I'm going to try and not screw up ending the broadcast here. So here we go. Bye, everybody. Thank you, Tim. <laughs>